It's been good lately to be a great dive podcaster, hanging out with all the shark girls last week. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and and um, I'm going to say it. They're very nice to look at. There, I said it. I did want to give a quick shout out to all the Patreon sponsors and YouTube donators and really all the listeners of the Great Dive Podcast who is making, uh, who are making 2022 another big growing year for us. Things are really starting to rock and roll for us. Almost, we, we've almost outpassed 2021 already with, uh, with, with listening in 2022, over 2021. So big shout out to all you guys. Thanks for all the wonderful things that you do. Thank you for all of the wonderful, lavish gifts and donations and uh, sharing our podcasts with your buddies. And a super big shout out to our top three listening countries in the world. Good old, old glory, US of A. Australia mighties and our wonderful lads, big and lasses, big cheers to you over in the UK. I'm showing, I'm showing the last, oh, you, I'm looking at the last seven days. Sorry. I'm doing all time. Yeah. Well, in the last seven days, the U.S. is still killing it. But um, Germany, Germany, my friend. Thank you. Danke. Anyway, Germany was second. And Australia was third for the last seven days. But do you know our top cities, James? What are they? Bedford. It doesn't give me the state on here. It just says Bedford. <laughs> in, in USA? Yeah, and I don't know if it's Bedford, Michigan, which is Bedford, Indiana. I don't know which Bedford it is. But our second which isn't not too far behind our first is Boca Raton so Boca Raton is rat's mouth is um listening to the old great dive podcast but then love to hear it. number 3 at just slightly under Boca is Bisenhofen in Germany Bisenhofen Bisenhofen how well all all time, our number one listening city is good old Sydney, Australia. Oh, oh, you might. Well, it's fitting. Followed it's, by it's fitting. Uh, one, you know, uh, followed by our hometown, Waterford, Michigan, really? and then Brisbane, Brisbane, Australia, as well. So the old Aussies are liking TGDP. So shout out to all you manscaped Aussies out there. Guess who's our top listener? Listener in the past seven days you know him you love him he's a coastie he's a coastie Coastie. a coastie he's an ice diver he brought his coastie stuff and he's a sheriff too oh good old nick Nick. shout out to Nick. top listener for the past seven days nick's uh nick's been Mending from a, from an ankle break injury, so he's probably got a lot of time to sit back and listen to the old Great Dive podcast. But he probably uh, needs to make sure that uh, while he is just sitting on the couch, getting older and hairier, that he makes sure that his uh, happy trail 
is uh, looking a little bit uh, more like a happy highway, not like a happy dead end, if you know what I mean. You don't want any shrubs peeking over the, the fence there. That's no right. No shrubbery. <laughs> no shrubbery peeking out, Nick. If you had to even think about the answer, whether or not you need the revolutionary products from Manscaped, well, success is when preparation meets opportunity, people, and Manscaped's new Platinum Package will make sure you are prepared when the opportunity strikes. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, like Brando and myself, by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP. God damn it. You can't beat that, James. Free shipping and 20% off. Get your body trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, and Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmers. You know, uh, Brando, they have a proprietary advanced skin safe technology that will help you uh, protect your delicate parts and holes. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. They're both waterproof, so you can uh, shave with uh, less mess. I don't know what to say to that, James. That's amazing. Waterproof and safe. And don't forget, you can get a signature scent now for your uh, for your old pits with uh, the old Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Make sure you go to smell like your top shelf, not like some sweaty couch potato. You know what I mean? Got to keep those crops in check. You got to rotate those crops too, occasionally. You <laughs> rotate. You? You got to rotate those crops, Nick. I learned in uh, in school. Is, uh, you don't want the you don't want the soil to get stale and overused. You got to rotate those crops. Get twenty percent off of free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com, Everybody, that's twenty percent off with the free shipping at manscaped.com using TGDP as your code. Use the platinum package because the gold standard. Is no longer good enough, Brando. Hell no. Speaking of the gold standard in scuba, I was recently perusing the Book of Faces and came across an article that our buddy Gareth shared on The Human Diver about a firsthand account of an experienced diver that got into a situation where... um, they kind of got in over their head, so to say, and uh, things got pretty rough. And, you know, Gareth in his post said that we should think about how many parallels there are with your diving and try to get past the differences and look to see the similarities, overcome the distancing through differencing bias we are often subject to. And uh, I, I started reading through the story. I was like, "Wow, this is a this is a big story," and it was pretty interesting. And it's a I, I, it's a like a firsthand account of a of a dive that went very wrong. But I, I think it's something that I know I've heard before. You know, I would I would almost venture to say I've heard many times. You know, variations of this story from divers over the years. Yeah, after reading the story, it's um, at least the elements are not uncommon in uh, many of the close calls slash actual incident stories that we get. Um, there's there's common ingredients, if you will, for this recipe for disaster. Yeah, this is from scubadivermag.com. It's uh, titled, Live to Dive Another Day. 
You can just search for it there. And this is from a P.T. Hirschfeld who lives to die of another day after a harrowing experience. Harrowing. You don't, you don't uh, hear that word often enough. Harrowing. Only on tragic tales, generally. Tragic tales. You never, Harrowing. You never, tragic tales. You never have a nice afternoon at the fruit market. Pick up some great Michigan Macintosh apples and uh, a couple of cantaloupes and have a harrowing experience. Well, you could. You never know what's going to happen. Not these days. Shit. It could be the apocalypse. Armageddon, I should say. This was P.T. Hirschfeld's 1,531st dive. It took place in uh, earlier this year, March of this year. Should I give it away and say she lived, but it was almost her last? Yeah, you can say that. I because, just did. Uh, she, I did. Anybody that reads this article is going to see right at the top that she says that uh, it brought me closer to death than anything else in my life. It's a dramatic story with lots of lessons learned, and writing about it here has helped me to process the enormity of what did and didn't happen. And I, I think that's something that happens with a lot of these stories is when we sit there and mull them over for days and weeks and months thinking about them you know, in the past, it's really easy to think of should have, would have, and could haves. And it's especially easy when it didn't happen to us. We're just reading the story. Like, <laughs> I, I would have never done that. Yeah, well, isn't that pretty much the standard right there is people put out a story. A lot of times people come out and admit their own mistakes in, uh, in an effort to help others not have to go through what they just did, you know? Right, and I think that's exactly what was happening here, you know, to begin with. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, when it, go, when it comes months later, it's easy to, to you know, share a perspective right. of, you know, well, the captain didn't do this and the dive master didn't do this. And, uh, you know, thinking about it weeks later, I mean, it happens, you know, uh, I think with almost with any recounting of, of a tragedy that happened, it's hard to not put some personal bias in there. Well, yeah, but I think... What's nice about the human factors and Gareth's approach, and which is a refreshing change and has been needed for a long time, and uh, I know he's been out there doing his work, trying to spread his word, um, but that initial knee-jerk reaction to say, you know, to point at, they shouldn't have done this, and you shouldn't have done that, and it's more important to, to examine where does the behavior come from? Why is it so endemic throughout our scuba culture and and other areas but in scuba you'll i think in this story yeah and you'll see in this story a lot of attitudes that i've i know i've run into a thousand times over my career in diving especially the attitude of the captain and some of the other divers and even of uh the author herself like yeah i might as well go i'm gonna trust the captain the captain will know Right. That kind of thing. Well, that and, you know, having coming right out in basically the first words of the article, you know, by justifying that I've got over fifteen hundred dives. Yeah. Um, the, you know, you and I go back to this a lot. You know, 
1,500 dives when you've taken mainstream scuba training, even at the highest levels, really is just preparing you for diving in a more advanced environment but still following a well-experienced dive master. It, It doesn't really have a way to give you full ownership of diving, you know, in those recreational classes. Yeah, the recreational classes along with most recreational diving. You got to remember the diving is for the most part is pretty easy. Until it, until so it's, it's not, not right? and that's and that's what we're going to see here, but right? Most that, so, I was going to say James, most dive charters are trying to give you easy. <laughs> They're not going to give you a challenging dive. For their own safety and your safety, they go to the milk run dives and that's where most divers go. Absolutely, right? Cuz isn't good for business to to take 12 divers out and only come back with 10 right right? because they got the living shit kicked out of them and and got swept off in a current out to the middle of the the sea and lost forever or eaten (laughs) by you know man-eating sharks that's not good for business so they want you to go to a place where they know everybody's gonna be safe and everybody's gonna come home right my comment isn't a um isn't a complaint either. I'm just putting it out there as an observation so that you have a background of our, if you want to call it judgment, of 1,500 dives and saying it's still not really enough. You have to look at where are those dives. No doubt about it. And that's certainly one of the criticisms that you saw pop up. You know, of course, you know, God bless old Gareth. You know, he's he's really out there trying to... (laughs) He's trying to do the the old King Neptune's work, you know, and uh, of course, you know the, the the comments that start coming in are, are for the most part doing exactly what he's asking people not to do, and and watch, you know, I, I'm going to say something dumbass in in about five minutes too that is right along the lines. But I think the the more we uh, look at stuff like this, you know, the the closer we can get to uh, to him, you know, achieving his cause there. So it starts off, she says that she's been uh, diving in Australian waters and was looking for someplace new and came across uh, some photos on Facebook and tried to message and meet up with this captain who's got a 40-foot boat. And uh, she mentions, yeah, I'm a writer. And the captain's like, oh, great, I can get some publicity, come out on my boat. And, you know, uh, typical story, like we've had a lot of instructors and boat captains and photographers and videographers that you and I have known in the Great Lakes for years, Mm -hmm. that this is basically the way they, you know, did their travel for 20 years was like in the early, especially in the early days of video and cameras, video work, especially remember back in the nineties where like, if you took the time to invest a couple thousand dollars in a video camera and video lights, you could get <laughs> you could get you know uh, uh, media footage that just not every diver could get yeah. nowadays where you can get GoPro you know a GoPro and some video lights for two hundred dollars and, and and capture some amazing stuff. It's a little bit different, but especially twenty years ago, two hundred dollars that yeah you, know, you could you well, you couldn't two, even get anything for two hundred dollars if you can buy anything. I not even in scuba if you can buy anything for two hundred dollars these days, buy a dozen of them. Buy it right now. $200. Yeah, inflation is out of control. <laughs> it's out of control. Yeah. Yeah, I, I talk about that often. My $10,000 video setup 
which by all accounts got great footage, especially back in the day. And I used to get a lot of comments to that effect. Next to a a GoPro 3, (laughs) it looked like, you know, 1940s footage on a little 8-inch television that everybody gathered around to watch. Right. It's amazing how the technology changed so fast. And the difference in price is amazing. Now, it should be noted that the captain here was looking for new crew members because he didn't have an experienced crew. And she mentions that the crew consisted of the captain and three novice divers whom she'll call Adam, Teddy, and Amy, who is Adam's girlfriend. She says in this article that I awoke after the first night on the boat to the captain in the galley kitchen, looking at a weather app on his phone and shaking his head. Conditions look much worse today than predicted last night. So no diving today, I asked. No other boats will be leaving this marina today. Everyone else would think I was crazy for going out. Now, see, like that statement right there, and uh, it's as if, like, they just can't say, nah, no, we're not going out. Like, there is something that we, in order to save the world, we have to dive today. Well, right. So, you know, she next says, so the dives are canceled then? And he says, I think we can get out to the dive spot early. You know, uh, you know, then we, you know, we can get back before it gets too wild out there, you know? And then she says that as someone unfamiliar with the waters in this region, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind to challenge his judgment as we made the one and a half hour boat journey out to the dive site. So... And I get what you mean. Like, I've had many moments on dive boats where the captain doesn't want to call it. Well, there's an there's uh, a motivation the divers, for the captain not to call it because when he calls it, he loses his money, or she loses her right. money. They lose their money. Okay, is that okay? Uh, but in this case, James, this is not a, a paid charter or anything. Right. I'm assuming the same thing, that, that this is a, a freebie in exchange for publicity. But right. I don't officially know that, but I'm, I'm making that assumption. So I've been on boats before, and I know you've been on boats before. Never. Where it's friends just going out diving. Right. And sometimes those, those dive, they go well. Sometimes, <laughs> and I would say more often than not, yeah. they go shitty because because it is just a bunch of divers going diving and, and there is a a loss of professionality in there right you know yeah there is no real quote-unquote professionality it all depends on on who we're with but the other side of that is usually it's not a diving boat that you're going out diving off of you know right much like i think this in this story is not a dedicated diving boat i know they want to make it a dive boat that's that's this captain's ultimate plan, but really. Hey, Dave's got a boat. Yeah. He'll take us out. <laughs> That's about it. And I've, I've been there. You know, it's, um, you know, just going out on a friend's boat, you know, for a boat ride mm-hmm. and going out on a friend's boat to go diving off of a friend's boat. Man, two oh, very, gosh. very different worlds. And, and I've had the situation you know, many times of, 
what the fuck was I thinking? Like, yeah, it's almost to the point. Right? As soon as, as soon as we it. got, yeah, as soon as we got to the marina, and I looked at the boat, I should have known. Don't even put any gear on that boat because this is going to be a total pain in the ass. Yeah, it's not made for diving, and that's usually the the captain or the boat owner is not a diver or has never dived from the boat, and it's the, you know that kind of thing. And, and I think this is kind of where uh, you know Gareth goes a little bit is his perspective and what he's trying to get people to think about is this is really where the whole problem starts, right? It's not necessarily that the dive went bad, you know, 23 minutes into the dive. It kind of started going bad right when, you know, James Mott got to Grand Bend Marina looking at Dave's boat going, All right, this is going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. To get back and why am i even putting my gear on right and so regardless of what happened and the weather that kicked up on me that i can clearly remember out in lake huron years ago right at the end of the dive really wasn't where the problem was it was showing up no one i should have known better so she says when we reached the dive site the captain elected to stay on the boat with teddy instructing adam she mentions with only 40 dives, how to navigate his girlfriend, Amy, with only 30 dives, and myself through the dive site and where it would be safest to surface under the prevailing conditions. She says, I was not privy to the dive briefing, nor the fact that Adam, who had only dived the site twice before, was distracted by not being able to find his hood and wasn't paying adequate attention to the instructions that he had been given. And he's acting as the dive master. I mean, he's obviously not really a dive master. <laughs> so he, he's just acting as a dive master, which I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, again, even even good dive master training in when you go to an environment where you haven't been to and experienced yet, it's going to be hard to share experience of something that you are ignorant about. I mean, he's been to the dive site twice, but never under these wild of conditions. Still twice, really? You're going to dive master a site you've dived twice? Yeah, you're just, and the guy's got 40 total dives. Again, again, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He's not even a trained, he's not a trained and certified dive master, which he also lacks experience overall extremely lax experience at the dive site they're going to so the only box that this guy ticks for dive mastering this dive is uh he's a certified diver but past that there's nothing he's actually less experienced probably than the person he's leading and there is where you know we certainly have an issue of you know 15 1500 dives of experience if you're making the assumption that the dive master is in charge and i'm following the dive master which is what recreational scuba teaches it teaches you to follow a competent and experienced dive leader which it to me you know reading through this is that's what she's expecting hey listen i really want to go see some of these sites of these cool pictures you're taking um, i'm unfamiliar with this area can you get me out there and show me around and she 
follows the guy out who doesn't even really get in the water. He sends uh, sends the new guy out instead. Send out the new guy. Why not? It'll be good training for him. <laughs> be good training for him at your expense. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it it is very good training for him. I mean, Adam, you know, is going to walk away with a lot of experience after this dive. You know, uh, <laughs> this it's a it's a hell of a teacher. Yeah. You know, it's just the the problem. The problem is the statement of like, what could go wrong? Well, nothing could go wrong until some shit goes wrong that I wasn't expecting to go wrong. Yeah, I, I think uh, say just saying that phrase to yourself almost guarantees that something whacked out is about to happen that you probably weren't prepared for. Well, right. I mean, I mean, this is the way I've been teaching scuba for many years now is you always have to assume that the shit is going to hit the fan and be the worst that could possibly happen far more badly than uh, what you're expecting. And you have to assume that from before you get in the water till well after you're back on the boat out of your gear. And that's really the only way that you have to even have a chance to safely do every dive. Yeah. Always assume the worst. I mean, it's uh Murphy's Law kind of thing. It's going to happen. Shit's going to hit the fan at the worst possible moment. And especially in diving, Murphy's our invisible partner. So, all right, so setting the story, already we have conditions are much shittier than they anticipated. And anybody's experienced. Right, and then the diving crew on the boat, which isn't really a dive boat, is less than optimal in, in the department of experience and even certification but they're enthusiastic well and that, and that counts for nothing to me nothing absolutely <laughs> zero well exactly right <laughs> usually people use enthusiasm to hide their lack of uh, uncomfortableness or their discomfort doing something a lot of right. people do anyway not everyone not you james you're you're just enthusiastic that's why i'm your antithesis i'm your nemesis I'm the unenthusiastic. Well, let's get back to this exciting story. Here, here. She just mentioned that she'd missed the dive briefing. Son of a bitch. And I know that, I mean, I, I can admit that there's been times where I've not fully paid attention to a dive briefing. Well, if it's a, um, a site that we've covered a thousand times already, I don't listen right. that, that intently. Correct. Right. A brand new place. Ears are going to perk up. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's you know things that we want to make sure that everybody's on page of, you know, and again the routine that you and I have as teammates, you know, is repeated in multiple locations yeah. for preparing ourselves. To have her shit together in the water, really, regardless of what the dive briefing is going to be, you know, that's like a like a big that's like the big picture. You and I are painting our own little picture on the inside to make sure that we're on page, right? Which is just a like a, a practice that we have grown to develop over the years of knowing that I'm not just going to assume that everything's going to be just how the dive master 
is is painting it to be because if that were the case there'd always be a whale shark swimming by (laughs) that were the case we'd always see a school of eagle rays swimming by you know no i hear you i hear you and and what you're talking about there that mindset uh of expecting the worst and i don't want to put it that way like i go into every dive like oh this is going to be shit i do all my checks and whatnot just so that if crap does go down i'm prepared that's all well yeah i mean you you start off with the assumption that Hey, we're going to have a gas emergency. I need enough to get both of us home. You start off, right? You start to dive off with um, there could be wild currents. I need to be mm-hmm. prepared and aware of these currents. I could totally get lost. I want to be aware of the direction. Otherwise, you know, what good is it to look at a compass in the middle of the dive? At, for the first time where you've got no <laughs> you have no reference, no reference yeah. point right you've you're right so there's things that you do to put your mind in 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 the appropriate place that when things do go to shit you've got a bit of an advantage because you've already been expecting them too along the way so now you actually have a place to work with from you know right so just doing those checks ahead of time um no, I don't think every single dive is going to be a shit dive and all kinds of shit's going to happen. But in the mindset that Murphy is diving with me, things, if they're going to go wrong, are probably going to happen at the worst possible moment. And especially out in big open water, not not like caves, although it can happen in caves too, but conditions can change from the beginning of the dive to the end of the dive, <laughs> especially in open water, especially in the ocean, and especially... The way the story is set up that uh, we could probably make it out there and back uh, before it gets shitty. So probably. Right. So mm. they're already rushing, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, fighting, fighting time as well. And that's never fun. That's never fun. The, the rushing aspect of we got to do this. No, no, because rarely are you going to have a good experience. You know, um, you know we've we've had it before where you, you, weather goes to shit. You're fighting. You're getting your ass kicked, trying to just get in the water, get the dive, and yeah, you get down. We finally get down underwater. You can take a deep breath, and holy cow, that's whew, that was a nightmare. You go do a nice, relaxing, fun dive, but then. Get ready for the fight because now I still got to get out of the water, right. right? And there's been times where we've done it and it's like having a beer at the end of the day. Like, that was stupid. Why Why did we even get in? Because we damn near, you know, yeah. got injured and injured just leaving the water. Like, it's not just getting the dive. Like, you still got to get all the way back, all the way out, all the way to shore, all the way on the boat, out of your gear, and then we still got that whole ride we got to get back. What was and you know what was the purpose of even pushing through this to begin with? Yeah, the dive is like the middle portion, the middle phase of the whole day kind of thing, or the adventure, or the undertaking, the the actual going down and breathing underwater. So, yeah, that's the easy part. Now she says, as we began our descent, it became apparent that Amy's tank was slipping loose from her BCD. And Adam tried but was unsuccessful in securing the tank at, a, at the surface, which seemed calm. And Amy ended up aborting the dive, swimming back to shore. And she says that that, that loose tank probably saved Amy's life. Because I'm assuming she's thinking that you know, she's so new and so inexperienced mm-hmm. 
the the one thing that saved her was that at least she had 1500 dives of experience to draw upon she says that she continued the dive with adam he seemed like he was a competent diver apart from his dive profile going up and down and up and down deep and shallow <laughs> deep again um and she says that which created a potential risk for equalization in nitrogen levels but yeah like you you and i tend to follow you know a couple of rules of what do we use to finally say no on a dive like to to thumb a dive to call a dive and in this case, you know, we're we're in a completely new area. The weather's mm-hmm. way worse than yeah. we're expecting. The the return trip home isn't a 20-minute boat ride. It's an hour and a half if things are going well boat ride. And we know that the weather's about to go to shit. Uh, we have an inexperienced dive staff. We've got a tank slipping out emergency. We have a, a the third member of the teammate bailing. I mean, how many things got to go wrong at the beginning of the dive before we go, you know, maybe this just isn't in our cards today and have the ability to, to say, let's live the dive another day. Yeah. I think, you know, I use the, and I know, and you and I talk about this because it's, we didn't invent this, but the two minors and one major kind of thing, uh, that's time to call the dive. Two minors, we're going to call the dive. One major, we're going to call the dive. Um, and minors are adding up there. A lot of minors. A lot of minors right? adding up, yeah. to, And I count, I count my dive master as a 40 dive person. Uh, that's a minor to me. Oh, the weather's yeah, no, a minor. The tank slipping out's a minor. Uh, what else? What else do I need? Right, we're at... We're at three, four, five, six. There's a lot going on right. that would make you want to think. You know, w- when I look at this dive again in the future, like w- when I go to do that, I mean, th- this is certainly what's going through my head before we've ever even entered the water. Absolutely. Before we've submerged, right? All these things start adding up of, okay, let's, where, where do I call it? Like you have to have that line somewhere in your psyche with your teammates in the water of where are we going to call the dive when things have added up yeah so much negativity yeah yeah now she says the dive itself was pleasant and mostly uneventful lots of fish and wobegong sharks that old steph from last week would really have liked to uh, to see and um there was an increasing surge an enormous numbre slept on the sandy substrate. Adam indicated that it was time for us to commence our safety stop, so I clipped my camera to my BCD and slowly began to ascend. I felt to feel a mild reverse block in my left ear, so I descended slowly until it resolved before rejoining Adam at the stop. So like a, a conscious and aware diver and you know, not freaking out and panicking and shooting to the surface, but stopping and doing what was right to get through that reverse block and, and do the safety step. So I think she's painting the story that she's a competent, experienced diver, right? Well, I would say 1,500 dives is, is nothing to sneeze at. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, where were these dives? What kind of training do you have and what kind of experience do you have? I mean, in what type of environment? So definitely not calling her incompetent or anything. You know, it makes it, it brings up a discussion that I've had, you know, over the years with people is, you know, dive sites are generally graded by their depth. 
Right. Right. Like a difficult dive is, you know, a hundred foot dive is a, is a difficult dive. A shipwreck in 130 feet of water is, is an advanced level dive. A reef dive, you know, in 40 feet of water is kind of like a novice level dive. But, you know, looking more like what you have with skiing hills and mountain climbing hills there's days where what we're about to see where what would be a novice level dive can become a very highly advanced level dive so finding a way to better judge a dive site might be an interesting thing to contemplate for us as an industry of you know when does a novice dive go to a double black diamond dive you know, based on wind and current and surface conditions, not just the depth that we're going to. She says, we completed the three-minute safety stop at four meters without incident. Not far from the rocky point where Adam had planted the marker buoy, he'd been towing for later retrieval by the boat. Leaving the marker there seemed odd to me, but I assumed it was part of some prearranged protocol between Adam and the captain. And upon surfacing from the 72-minute dive, we were met with pounding three-meter waves, dangerously close to the rocks, making it impossible for the 40-foot catamaran to retrieve us. We lay on our backs and kicked as hard as we could away from the rocks, making little to no progress against the powerful waves, forcing us repeatedly back toward the rocky point. Now, dude... That is a really bad place to be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Nine foot waves for our uh, imperial measurement people. That's a uh, that's a hefty wave. And I mean, and that's a, a boat with. Yeah, and that, I mean that's a terrible position to get put in. Yeah, right. By somebody following somebody that they think is in charge and, and taking them home at the end of the dive. But, I mean, I'm going to go back to my point of this is why you can never assume mm-hmm. any part of the dive. Like, you have to have some training that's going to show you really how to take ownership of yourself and your team in the water to not let yourself get put in that. And I, I think this is what, you know, Gareth keeps coming to a lot. I hear him saying, like, you know, we we look at, you know, the captain of the boat – and they say pools open, go in. It's it's really hard to put yourself in a place where you can question a lot of these people in leadership roles in scuba. And I and I get it because if if I'm a dive master, I don't want to listen to somebody who thinks that they know more than me question me. <laughs> Right, right. If you're a dive because master, they've been playing around on Facebook, you're not really taught as a dive master how to properly deal with somebody who is questioning you and who is, you know, in a place of more experience and does know better than with you. You're kind of taught to be the leader. Absolutely. That's uh, it's part of the training. Yeah, and so we've set ourselves up in many ways for getting thrown into positions like this. She says, I could only occasionally see the boat 
through the towering waves as the captain made several attempts to maneuver it close enough to attempt a rescue without getting too close to the exposed rocks. Adam caught the smooth white rope Teddy threw to him and was towed, then pulled into safety, leaving me bobbing alone on the violent surface. The boat circled into position and the rope was thrown to me three times over 20 minutes. Each time it escaped my gloved hands like Teflon. Grab onto the rope, Teddy yelled to me over the waves. It keeps slipping through my hands, I screamed. In disbelief, I heard Teddy call back to the captain. She doesn't want the rope. And I corrected him at the top of my lungs. It keeps slipping away. I put my rag back in my mouth as the next thunderous wave pounded over me. Thank God I had surfaced with half a tank of air. I knew it might be hours before the water would calm enough for them to be able to collect me if the smooth white rope had failed me again. Yeah, I mean, this is a really rough and tough and terrible position to be in. But again, I mean, I mean I'd be lying to, to say that I've, I've been such a perfect diver that I've never been in this situation before. I mean, I, I've had, had a similar situation out in the Pacific Ocean. I've had a similar situation um, up off the shore in Tobamori. I've had the, you know, from a shore dive, I had the situation out off of a boat up in Tobamori, uh, uh, getting beat up against a shallow shipwreck there, that, that it was too difficult, you know, with, with a diver that got blown away in a current. And, I mean, these things happen. When you're deep, not a big deal, you know, that, that surface current, the surge and the, the wave action. But when you're close to the shore and it gets shallower and or you're trying to get it back on the boat, it's a rough time to be uh, trying to test your skills of getting back on the boat. Yeah, and, and, and fighting with this rope. I mean, we, we've been on dives out in the Great Lakes where the surface goes crazy and trying to hang onto a tagline and pull yourself into the boat and get your fins off and get a deco bottle off and you know not get thrown around and not have a diver in front of you you know fall down on top of you to be close enough that you can get there so you can pass up a camera and not take forever for all the other people that are hanging on that tagline getting the living shit kicked out of them up on the surface I mean, those are realities of diving, and those are reasons why there is a fitness requirement, why there is a watermanship assessment in scuba, right? It, it, you, know, you get people all the time, they're like, I'm going to be on scuba, man. Why do, I, why do I need to be able to swim <laughs> a couple hundred yards? I'm, I'm not a, I don't want to be a swimmer. I just want to go look at some fish. It's, well, the reality is stuff like this happens, and if you're not physically fit – uh, and you're not relatively competent to begin with, the CO2 buildup that you're going to face in this situation of fighting and struggling and working every muscle in your body and the restricted breathing of not taking in a mouthful of water because your regulator's out and you're trying to yell something at the same time or, or even fighting through mm-hmm. breathing through a regulator, I mean, that is when all of your training and your fitness needs to all come together. Yeah, you need it when you need it. We we say that all the time. So divers that just you know they they see the awesome stuff on 
Facebook and they see the awesome pics and reels on you know Instagram and they read the cool stories and and the uh the articles and just want to go and experience this stuff there's a lot that's got to go into fully being ready for that environment absolutely when you're going to dive in an environment that's hostile in that in that respect and it's only hostile cuz they chose to go out during that shitty weather they knew it was going to turn shitty they were just trying to beat it which there you go i mean that's where the experience of the captain has to be relied on but yikes then without warning she says i was under the catamaran it's massive bow rising 10 meters above the raging sea while the solid stern crashed down less than a hand span from my face I'm going to die now. She says, I realized with absolute certainty, waiting for the boat to crack my skull or send me unconscious to the ocean floor. Despite my instinct to raise my arm to cover my head, I tightened my desperate grasp on the rope. I've been on boats before in the Great Lakes where the ladder beats the living hell out of me trying to get out of the water and that swim platform coming down from four or five feet above your head down at what seems like a thousand miles an hour with like a giant sledgehammer it is one of the most frightening positions you can be in but you have to be mentally prepared for that the the, the moment you hit the surface realizing you can't just say, mommy, take me home. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that button right? that is, okay, this is all over. I'm back back on the couch. Right. I mean, as, as, as divers, we have to assume that things are going to go wrong. And I think too many divers, you know, look at the, the brochure of the, the resort that they're going to, the, the beautiful tropical island that they're going to, and they just assume that nothing's ever going to go wrong. But, I mean, we need to learn that when you're diving, I mean, from the moment you walk out of your hotel room down to that dive boat, all the way until the point where <laughs> you are completely out of the water, done diving for the day, like, you've got to be in the moment. Yeah. And that can happen any dive, pretty much. I mean, you try to minimize the opportunity for things to go wrong, and that's why you don't go out in shitty weather, or you know that it's going to turn shitty. might be clear blue sky, and, and they said it's coming. You just say, okay, we'll, we'll go sit at the pub with Bloody Marys. <laughs> right. Well, we've been there, too. Right. Or you go... You know, there's a dive site 20 minutes away. Yeah, we're just gonna go do that today. We're gonna give it a cu- we're gonna give it a couple days for the weather to change. You know, hindsight, that's an easy decision to make. But in the moment, like you, especially like this was her first day there, like like pressuring to to get out and go do the dives. You know, you're setting yourself up. You know, she says somehow I was either dragged by rope from above or propelled by surge below or both. Out from beneath the back end of the boat, I found myself clutching a wildly flailing narrow ladder as it threatened to smash, 
crush or sever whatever part of my body was closest to it at any given moment. Uh, and yeah, like that's what ladders do in rough <laughs> weather. Yeah, that is a very dangerous position to be in. That stern of the boat waiting to get on that ladder in uh, heavy waves. It floats the boat up and then the boat comes down and it uh, the boat isn't light. Yeah, and neither is that ladder on a hin on that hinged ladder. Oh man, a three foot wave in the Great Lakes is a pretty intense wave. A, a, a three meter wave would a, would absolutely be an impossibility. The, the, the I think you'd have try to get up, so there would be no, there wouldn't be a boat that went out in in in, in twelve foot waves out in the in the Great Lakes. It's a little bit different in uh, in the Pacific Ocean because it's a slower it's a slower swell, but but even anything like smashing you up against the rocks is going to be a fight that you. I mean, if you're going to go out diving that day, you have to be prepared for a, for an ass kicking getting out of the water. If you're not ready, yeah, it's going to leave a mark. Yeah, we had that time where it was right on the edge and questionable when we were out in Lake Erie a couple of years ago, right? And uh, half the boat was like, yeah, we could, we could give it a go. And, and you were, and I were like, uh, we're going to the pub. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to go through that ass kicking of trying to get back on a boat with cameras and deco bottles and climbing up that ladder and doubles and, and just smashing and banging around. It's going to take away from all the fun that we would potentially possibly have. Just, just for the sake of getting the dive done? That's two old men talking right there. Uh, that's two old wise men going, I've been diving for 30 plus years. There is nothing down there that I probably haven't seen. As a matter of fact, I know what I'm going to encounter on this dive. I'm, I'm 100% aware of it. And uh, yeah, I don't need this that bad. It makes for a great story, though, when you live through something like that, doesn't it? You know, you can sit at the pub or impress your well, relatives luck, and friends that don't die. Yeah, luckily yeah. you and I have a a, 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 <laughs> a a few of those stories to share. You know, it's uh, I like I don't want to. If I get another one of those stories, I want it to be like completely out of nowhere. I don't want one of those stories for me ever to begin with. I should have known while I was yes. having breakfast, like looking at the water, <laughs> that I never should have even went down to the dock let alone put my gear on the boat, right? I want that story to be nobody knew this was coming. Right. And it just happened out of nowhere, right? That's how a story like this should should happen, right? It can happen. It can happen, yeah. Absolutely, it can. There was no way I could climb the ladder with fins on or remove my own fins, she says. I raised my right foot above the surface and yelled to Adam, get my fin off! <laughs> He removed the fin, and I managed to put my foot on the ladder's bottom rung. Exhausted, and with a 13-liter aluminum tank on my back, I was still being pummeled by ferocious waves. You need to pull me up. I didn't consider dropping my weights to make their task easier. I would have had to let go of the ladder to do that. And that, that captain would have been pissed off, although those are her weights probably. Yeah, her yeah, weights. Yeah. I mean, but... I think she's at a point where, like, thinking clearly through the situation, right, that time is come and gone. 
Right. And that, again, harkens back to the training has to be overtrained because your mind goes into, into pure, just reactive behavior. So you have to train that out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And um, I think this is where, you know, a lot of people that read this story, you know, get into the shoulda, woulda, coulda, I never yeah. woulda, I wouldn't do, uh, I wouldn't be like this. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is here this, here this poor girl is getting the living shit kicked out of her on this dive boat. Did she at least get a good cup of coffee before she, she went diving? I hope she had a nice, a nice warm mug of Abyss Coffee Co. I bet she had the Kraken, and the Kraken was coming. I was going to say, this is, this is the Kraken just <laughs> destroying her. I hope she had some Kraken blend from the Abyss Coffee Co. Well, maybe the Kraken is enough to, to reach down and overcome this. Maybe she did have the Kraken, and that's why she, she managed to make it through this. It's- I get what you're saying. I think uh, what you're saying is like <laughs> she has the power of the Kraken in her because this is what why she survived is because she had that delicate bean with with <laughs> notes of butter and cream with some hints of chocolate, a smoky chocolate that uh, gave her the strength to to get out of the water. I agree with you. You're uh, you're wetting my appetite right now for a little cup of Kraken. Hey everybody, go over to theabyscoffeeco.com and order yourself some Kraken beans don't forget to use code tgdp and let her know that uh we sent you but she says somehow adam and teddy dragged me up onto the first and second step of the boat and i face planted on my belly pinned down by the tank and weights the boat was still rocking like a demented seesaw when it tipped again i would surely slide right back into the violent waves with no strength or strategy to survive another rescue attempt i'm going to die i told my unseen rescuers over and over with no other way to communicate that my life was still very much in their hands this is where you say we're all going to die so get over it yes <laughs> listen Ever since the day you were born, you've been closer and closer to dying. We all have. You started dying on your birthday. Yes. So, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> it's, that's the perfect time to really deep dive into your inner self for some philosophical inner debate and, and discussion and thought. Don't you think when you're getting the shit kicked out of you, you're having a near-death experience out in the water? <laughs> Right. Please, God, I swear. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never wear split fins again, God. Now, they promised to her as they unclipped her camera and threw it onto the deck that, no, no, we got gotcha. <laughs> you. Move up to the next step. You fuckers, just roll me back in the water because what you just did, I don't, I don't even want to get on that boat with you now. James, what would you do if they just unclipped that camera of yours and threw it on the boat? Well, you know what's going to happen in a situation like this. <laughs> Son of I a mean, bitch. Uh, I mean, here you go. Like, There goes your tip. There goes the dive master tip. <laughs> you want a tip? How about the scratch dome port? I give you this useless piece of shit, scratched, cracked dome port. I can't do nothing with it. giving you the tip of my boot in your rear end, you jackass, throwing my camera. But I mean that's a that's a hard barter at that point of uh, right of what what do you what do you want them to focus on 
saving your ass where you've already given up. Right? You gave up. You're not trying anymore. You're laying there. Take care of me. I'm going to die. Get me on the boat. Wait, wait, wait. Don't mess up my camera. Well, that's wait a, a minute. I think you can a have it stro- That's both a brand ways. new strobe arm on that camera. You can, don't you bend can it. Help me out. You got four people there. Come on. Hand it to one of the people. Here's, here's her camera. Walk that to the bow and put it in the cutty cabin or something. But whatever you do, don't just chuck it on the boat deck. Oh, this is a catamaran, so anyway. And, well, and again, when you have when you have equipment yeah. that you hand off to a captain and you hand off to a dive master on a boat, you have to be okay, you know, with with the trust that you're giving in them. Well, that's my that point. That they're going to take care of it. I trusted you, and you fucked me. That's Not- what just happened right there. <laughs> this, this, I, I think we just hit a heartstring. Right? This, uh, this is, well, this is hitting you from a, from a personal experience. When they, when they just chuck it, come on, man, come on. I, I know things look a little hairy out there, but there's four people on the boat. Yeah, I'm going to criticize that. But now she's completely at their mercy. She says she yelled to him, you know, take the tank off my back. Don't drop it on me. And they were able to get rid of her gear. And she said, I begged them to keep dragging me up. Still in imminent danger of toppling back down into the raging sea. Don't let her fall asleep, I heard Teddy tell Adam, she says. Well, and I, and I think, you know, this was them, you know, like realizing that the shit is getting bad, right? And she's at complete exhaustion. And we need her to stay conscious at this point. We don't need her passing yeah. out. So talk to her, you know, get her to communicate with you. Lock eye contact, maintain communication. Yeah. Don't let her just completely give up and pass out. She says, somehow I inched my way onto the next step, then slumped onto the deck. I vomited while the captain berated Adam for losing the marker buoy and not following his instructions about where to double back away from the rock point to the end of the dive. I didn't listen properly, the novice diver confessed. I think it's easy to say that this is all his fault for not putting the marker buoy where he was supposed to and for not turning at the point where he was supposed to. But again, I mean, this goes back to all the way to the beginning of should we even have left the dock? Thank you. To put, to put this kid, yeah, to put this kid in a place where he was too inexperienced to make a good decision. My judgment on this captain is pretty harsh just because all that's going on right there and you can see her condition and you're worried about the marker buoy. We'll talk about that when we get back to the dock. Let's live through this first. Well, exactly. Yeah. And is is this not a little bit of a case of this captain versus an industry of captains which are constantly put into this position? Because the you know the typical protocol is this: like the divers want to dive, uh, let's let's try to get them out there and and get it done. Yeah, but they want to dive, and they want to trust you, and they want to trust your judgment. And if your judgment is, you know, if we if we all just barely live through it, that's a good dive. That's not the judgment I really want. That's not that's not what I'm going for in life as a 57 year old man. And even for the last you know couple decades, you know, you and I, yeah. when we get out on a boat, we we have the mentality of 
not generally diving with any Yahoo captain. Like we've we've gone out of our way to find captains that can at least be on the same page, yeah, as us because yeah. that captain isn't just on the boat with the other guy until we get back on the water. I mean, that captain's an integral piece of the whole entire dive the team, man. They're part of the team, big big important part of the team. So if the, you have to have a lot of trust and you have to rely on them for the their decision-making process that's what we're paying them for um and that's what they're licensed for and and you know that's something you should look for yeah are they more concerned about making a buck or your safety i know there's a balance i i get it i'm not stupid but right and there's a i mean there's a a battle between the female diver here that's having the problems and the the guy acting as the dive master i mean there's a you know that individual versus the other individual and you know the the industry as a whole versus the diver in particular of of like how did this person get to the point where because they have 1500 log dives and they have a master scuba diver rating that they think that they can handle any position and any situation because they haven't clearly been thought to think through multiple environments is that is that a, even a, a a fight that we're battling as well i don't think you are with her i think she questioned right there she thought they weren't going to dive today but then she fell back on i'm going to trust the captain's experience and judgment which a lot of us do and i i mean right there that's probably at the crux of the the whole story is where is it that you trust your own over the captain's and how, how do you make that decision? Because right there, she asked it in the very beginning, so does that mean we're not going to dive? Right. And to me, he, he never really truly answered. He just said, we're going, you know, he just went out. <laughs> we can beat it. We can beat it, he says, I believe, you know, before it gets too yeah, feral but, was right. his, his That's words. Right. Yeah, yeah. She says, Adam had dived the site and the dive path twice before, but he was too inexperienced to understand that the old dive plan could be deadly under the treacherous new conditions that had developed on the surface. I sat on the lounge behind the captain with my eyes closed and my head in the spew bucket for the two and a half hours it took us to battle the monstrous sea back to the marina. I was thankful to be uninjured, but my camera port now had a deep scratch across it, rendering it unusable without any time-consuming repairs. And she goes on to talk about, you know, that night, you know, they ate dinner and, you know, they kind of did the typical joke around, laugh around, and, you know, thanks for saving me, and the captain joking, oh, I had to, otherwise, you know, I'd be in court and filling out paperwork for years, and, you know... This is where all the speculation starts to, to pop up too, right? Where she's asking, like, why didn't anybody throw me a you know a life buoy? And they didn't have any. They didn't, didn't have a rope attached <laughs> to it, so they couldn't throw a life buoy, right? Yeah. And then the cabs like, well, you know, why didn't you descend, you know, and get out of out of all that you know violent activity and swim out and away so that the boat could easily get to you. you know, so now we're getting to you know pointing fingers and and you know questioning who made the right call and who did what right and who did what wrong and I, I mean that's going to be a never ending battle 
And it's going to be a never-ending fight of, of who did what right and who did what wrong. And a lot of times it yields piss-poor results in the sense of what you're going to learn from this dive. You should learn something from this dive. What is it you're going to learn? Uh, that's up to you and the discussion afterwards and the debrief and, and your own analytical uh, skills as far as looking at the incident. But pointing fingers, and again, when you look at the uh, the comments in the forum where this is this story is, there's a lot of pointing fingers. Well, and I never would have done there's, that. There certainly is, and, and these, these are the mistakes that, that we're kind of conditioned to say. And, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, this is a big story, right? There's the, the whole part of the story about her being on the uh, scopolamine uh, uh, seasick medication, which is anti-nausea, but also a bit of a sedative. Mm-hmm. And it can affect people differently, and it says so right on the package. So you got to be aware when you take <laughs> right, that, right. that you might be checking out. You know, because the, the and the story goes into the next day because they do uh, want to go dive the next day, and she's she's still so affected by the previous day that she takes some she takes a double dose of seasick medication and is you know stoned basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a wild story, people. You should go read it. It's a long one, so we're not going to get through it. We we don't want to make this a two episode deal so but we do want to talk a bit about the comments because i think there's something to be learned there james well at the at the end of the scuba diver magazine uh article scuba diver mag.com article you know there's two uh, you know comments right away one of them you know and they're two you know polar opposites you know one of them is from a mike that says sounds like she's blaming everyone else for her mistakes Fucking Mike, and, and, and it goes on you know, to, to say like everything that she's done wrong. Like she chose to do a dive she had reservations about in the first place. She didn't get a dive brief and didn't speak up or ask for any anything. Uh, she was letting someone else lead the dive that was more inexperienced than her. She took mind altering medication she didn't fully understand. She didn't speak up and ask for a buddy check. She didn't speak up after the dive when she was feeling ill and expected others to check on her. And, and then starts questioning a bunch of her just like diving ability about like how can you spend three minutes at four feet or feet uh four meters and not know there's three meter waves ahead you know why would you surface where you surfaced why wasn't she carrying her own smb like like a lot of just like hindsight like shoulda woulda couldas versus another comment from a coconut odyssey that says thank god you're still alive to tell this tale i felt like i was reliving every moment with you through the whole story and then goes on to explain, you know, a, a similar experience that this person had had. So you've got, it's easy to have, you know, based off of the experiences that each person reading this has had in their past. Right. You're going to make a completely different judgment about who's at fault. If Yeah, if anyone's at fault, there are just a, a whole lot of decisions being made that, probably weren't the best decision but you got to look at where where does that decision making process come from where does that attitude come from where does the behavior come from so that that's how you curb it that's how you change that behavior you don't just start going well he he shouldn't have done that and she shouldn't have done this and blaming uh nothing nothing's gonna happen right i mean that goes to you know something that 
we teach all the time is shit happens, right? Yes, you shouldn't have opened up the deco bottle without checking to make sure that the first stage was closed first. But But you did. (laughs) <laughs> but you did it, and you sheer, you blew out the O-ring, you yeah. sheared it, now you've got no way to, right? And now we got to deal with it, right? And if you don't have the mindset in your training to understand that you might have to deal with really adverse situations, you are unprepared for that dive. Couldn't agree more, James. That's all that, all that training we did and do, that's what it's all about is – it's not for the dive that goes perfect. <laughs> exactly. It's... If you if you just assume that yeah. when you blow a marker bag, it's going to go perfectly to the surface and yeah. display with a big neon arrow, here I am, come come get us and make everything perfectly happy. Right. That's that's where the problem is. Yes. Yeah, when you 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 get 20 people down there and line them all up and have them blow marker bags and see what happens and you'll see it. You know, and this is just a, one simple task, one of many tasks that have to be done, uh, much less get into technical diving and gas switching and possible loss of gas, all that stuff. Um, that's what you train for. You train for Murphy's Law. So, and as well as being somewhat a decent physical condition because conditions like that are going to beat the living shit out of you. And if you're not in shape, they're going to, they could be life-threatening. Yeah, and even on a boat where, you know, the waves were half of this, I'm telling you, you make a couple of mistakes like they made. Yeah. And it, it wouldn't be any better. I mean, to have six-foot waves instead of 12-foot waves that close to the rocks, it's still going to be very, very difficult to get the boat close enough in. That's not going to change the situation. So you, as a diver, you have to be physically fit enough not to do a dive at the most ideal and laid back and perfect of conditions. Which takes nothing. Which takes nothing. Yes. Right? I mean, the, if diving was always like that, yeah, I would agree. Anybody can do it. But diving isn't always like that. Yeah. That's why <laughs> there's 600-foot steel freighters broken in half laying on the, the bottom of, yeah dumbasses right? because, yeah. <laughs> because if if everything was perfect and wonderful you know like a captain never would have went out in those conditions that right. broke a steel freighter in half and sunk it to the bottom right right yeah shit happens all the time and again you know uh so when you look in the comments if you if you do go over to the human diver you know gareth's page uh he's got a group over there called the human diver which is all about his uh human factors in diving he's got a lot of wonderful links all the time uh, a lot of great stories a lot of accident analysis stories uh, that he shares that other members of that group share Um, you can find this one in there it's a, a recent one that he posted of uh live to dive another day and like i was saying earlier you know when you look through the comments you know um you know he's got to go back and and police it because you know right away he's like dude listen perception is in the eye of the beholder and that is going to be heavily influenced by emotional responses at the time and their own bias their own bias, right? And right. You, everything is subjective in your life. Every bit of your reality is subjective, so you can't get away from that. 
that being said, you can do your best to understand that you have bias and um, instead of pointing the fingers and blame, because I think overwhelmingly the comments are blaming the diver herself. <laughs> I mean, right. there's a few that stick up for her, but for the most part, they just say she's whining. She's trying to, she's trying to blame, blame captain, others. She's right. Trying to blame everybody else. Now, Gareth mentions in another comment, he says, I'd amend uh, that to say that the dive starts well before the briefing, even for recreational diving, and that the dive doesn't end until after the debrief. That's kind of what like, you and I were just yeah. saying a little while mm-hmm. ago, right? Yeah, the dive starts, you know, <laughs> could start days ahead of that, you know, especially a tech dive when you're you're getting prepared. But really, the dive starts in training, and the dive starts in your dive buddy choice, your dive team choice, your equipment selection. All of that plays an integral part in in the dive, and um, as well as your point of view and your your own uh, experience and bias uh, works with you. Even for recreational diving, he oh, says, even. and I would say even more so in a lot of respects. Right? It's not yeah. you know technical diving. Yeah, like you're days ahead of time. You're you're thinking about the dive site, mm-hmm. trying to f- determine. And understand gas the compression you're going to have to do. What yeah. I'm going to, what we're going to breathe for gas. Yeah, so that definitely is. But on a recreational dive, I mean, I think it's even worse because you pay twenty five hundred dollars to go down to Cozumel for the week, and it's rough and it's windy, and you haven't been in the water in five years, and everybody's, you know, everybody that wants to go out on the dive boat tomorrow morning needs to do the little shore dive, preparatory dive right. ahead of time to sort out. You know all your own personal bullshit, but it's stormy and wavy, and if you don't have the comfort and the ability and the strength and the fitness to fight through that, you're going to get your ass kicked and yeah. thrown into the coral and thrown into sea urchins and, and torn up in fire. I've seen it many yeah. times where it's easy to sit there and go, um, "Hey, uh, you probably should sit out this little." prep dive just do that tomorrow after the weather settles down unfortunately you're going to miss a day on the boat but you can still do a nice little shore dive here no 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 <laughs> nah, nah. i paid for five days of diving are you giving me my no, no, money no, no, back no, no, for no. that day i'm gonna miss oh no i'm diving tomorrow that means i'm getting in the water right now and then and i've seen it with people yeah. before right and i've had to swim out and rescue and tow people back to shore yeah. that got like in over their heads i mean it happens yeah, so I'm I'm looking at that human diver, human factors in diving group, and just just underneath that post looks like another nice one, uh, but about somebody who did did the kind of the opposite of what the author of this article did in the sense of the diver made the decision not to get into the water for a dive, even though their instructors were way more experienced than than that person. So the instructors were going to. Uh, take them diving and this guy said nope fantastic yeah so that- right, I, mean, I mean that's that's the kind of stuff that you want to hear and you want to also hear that that instructor said good great for you. choice yeah. yeah yeah if you don't feel choice. it man right mm-hmm. it's because otherwise you know you're doing what we call all the time a trust me dive and mm-hmm. i try to tell people never do trust me dives because you're put into a situation where, like, you don't have the training, the experience, the equipment, something 
to take care of the dive if somebody happens to that dive leader. And me as a, as a dive leader, I don't want to do trust me dives because I know that, <laughs> man, like I, I am completely yeah, <laughs> like out of, out of the league here. Like I've, I've got somebody who has no business being here and I'm putting myself in a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. And you're not talking about instruction. You're talking about a dive, going on a dive, right? I mean, when you're right. instructing, they have to trust you, and you have to. to a There's got to be a trust, trust right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it is a trust. I've I've been on the dive boat where the the guy that's pounding his chest, talking about his master scuba certification mm-hmm. and all the dives that he's done, and then we get in the water, and the shit hits the fan, and it turns out, well, yes, they are. I, the I've last never person been. I've never been in cold water before. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to have to wear a hood and do a deep dive. I've, I've got my I've got my deep diver certification, but I didn't know I was going to have to wear a, a wetsuit and a hood and gloves. I've never had to clear my my mask in midwater ever. Yes, right, right, and, and that's you you hear that at the end of the dive when you're trying to rescue somebody. That that's the wrong time to have that conversation, right? So being able to have a culture in this world where you can go. No, this is uh, this is this is not a good day to dive. Right, needs to be embraced. It does. It should be taught in in classes the the right attitude approaching dives. Um, you're not going to get rid of it. I mean, diving and other activities along the lines of diving that are have a, an inherent risk to that. Uh, to them, I should say, they attract people that like to <laughs> just fuck you. I, I, I can do this, you know. Well, there is that whole machismo part, right? So it, it's it's a matter of ego. Having, ego, having an attitude and an ego that that puts us into a situation that hindsight is always going to be like that was a bad that idea. That was stupid. Yeah, right. So we need to figure out in this way how to have some foresight that can set everybody up for a little bit more success rather than just pushing through and ignoring big, obvious signs of we should do something ahead of time rather than be struggling at the end of w- w- with a situation where nobody wants to be in. Yeah, it's hard to say. The, here's, here's the answer to this. It's really hard to say, but I think a beginning point is, is a lot of what Garrett's doing, which is, okay, let's stop blaming people. Let's find out where the attitude and behavior comes from, and then we try to adjust that as a culture. Well, I think that's the major takeaway. Right. Right. A great way to end, Brando, is yeah. uh, what Gareth's saying is if, if you get on goddamn Facebook and scuba board and just start lambasting somebody who sends a story like this in, nobody's it's not productive. Gonna be wi- yeah, nobody's going to be willing to discuss mistakes that they make underwater versus if we can approach it from a, from a perspective of how, how did we get here in the first place, right? And everybody trying to learn from these situations so people don't keep making the same mistakes again later on. Because we're open to a world where people are willing to share bad experiences as well as the good ones so that we can all make our whole entire community better. Right. Right. Ideally, I mean, that's what we're aiming for. So 
we do that one diver at a time and one brain at a time. Just change behaviors, change attitudes, and uh, move forward. There you go, everybody. So, hey, um, this is a big article. Uh, go over and check it out either uh, on Garrus uh, group page or you can go right over to the source of it, scubadivermag.com forward slash dive dash another dash day and read it yourself there. Uh, send us a message. What do you think? What are your thoughts about this? Uh, what do you think about our thoughts about this? It's it's a fun discussion. You I mean, and this is I mean, this is what divers discuss when when they hear and read and uh, are exposed to stories like this. So it's um, it's interesting. It's long. It's it's. I mean, it's, we only got through half half of it. I mean, I basically wanted to focus on just the dive. You know that that they were dealing with at the beginning because that's a uh, uh, it's a meaty article. So go give it a go and let us know what you think. Brando, you you want to sign a logbook on this dive? I uh, no, uh, no. I did. I, I'm glad we called this dive there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're, let's thumb this dive, and and this does not go in the logbook. Let's go talk about uh, tomorrow's dive over a nice breakfast and uh, Bloody Mary. What do you think? Sounds good. All right, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Same. Dive time. Same near-death experience. (laughs) Same near-death experience.